Well, hello, everyone. My name is JB with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio beneath the sky, nestled in the tall timbers of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us on this Saturday morning, August the 19th, 2023. And uh, this will be our final installment of the uh, short series we've been doing on preparedness. And today we're going to talk about how to prepare for martial law with uh, our good friend uh, Randy. I'll bring him on in a moment. Uh, we may still do some uh, isolated uh, podcasts from time to time on issues related to uh, preparedness, but we pretty much covered a lot of the big issues over the last five weeks or so with this uh, limited series. I hope you found it helpful and uh, you can spread those around. Uh, obviously, all of our podcasts are available perpetually in the archive there on uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, just go to our channel, Not By Works Ministries, on uh, Podbean or Spotify or Google or Pandora or you know any of them, and uh, you can scroll back to uh, almost uh, over well over 500, almost 600 now uh, podcasts. And uh, so, hopefully, these are be out there as a resource for you to kind of go back and and check on some of the different topics that we've uh, that we've talked about. Uh, but today, we're going to talk about uh, how to prepare for martial law, and I thought it would be good. And by the way, we're also going to give you, uh, or Randy's going to give you, uh, some more information about generators, which, of course, are a good uh, resource to have in any uh, scenario, uh, a good part of your preparedness uh, uh, portfolio. So he'll talk about that uh, also on today's program. But we're going to start with martial law. And I thought I would give a definition of it. You know, you look it up, and uh, and there are all kinds of different uh, definitions. Um, but I went to military.com, and uh, it basically says, while not specifically defined in the U.S. Constitution, many legal experts consider martial law to be the use of military personnel to dramatically assist or completely replace a nation's normal legal system in times of emergency. So martial law has has kind of come to refer to basically there's something so bad happening that they put troops in the street Everything is suspended. Your constitutional rights are suspended, uh, and it is basically a, a dictatorial uh, situation uh, with the military in charge. They, you know, they're the ones uh, with the guns. It often uh, is accompanied, at least in in history, with gun confiscation, especially if it's a prolonged situation. Uh, and we've seen uh, glimpses of this in America. We've seen. Situations like in Boston, uh, after the uh, staged Boston bombing, by stage don't mean it wasn't real, it absolutely was real, but it was also not what the official narrative tells you it was. Um, it was uh, provocateur. Uh, we saw it after Katrina. Randy, I'm sure, can talk about that with his firsthand knowledge. Uh, so there have been times when in limited uh, scope, they have put uh, troops uh, in the street uh, and, uh, you know, Randy, I, I saw a movie one time when uh, only the police and military had guns. Uh, it was called Schindler's List. So uh, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know uh, what to think about that. But anyway, martial law. Tell us a little bit from your perspective about how we might prepare for such a scenario. Well, I never used to before Katrina. I never really considered the subject of martial law being something we would probably ever have to deal with. After working Katrina and several of the large hurricanes after that, I saw what martial law is, and I'm going to tell you it is not something you want to have to live under. First off, 
martial law, you gave him the definition. Uh, basically, you got to remember a few things. Martial law can Im be imposed by the police, law enforcement agencies, by the National Guard, or due to the Posse Comitatus Act of the 1800s, a governor can call in with the basic granting of authority from the president, U.S. troops. Now, I've never seen anything like that, but I've seen the National Guard and the police. Now, basically what it is, um, the main things are they limit your travel. They will give you a curfew. Uh, communications may be really messed up in that during Katrina and a couple of the other hurricanes, there was no phone service. There was no Internet. There was nothing. There were two or three channels that basically broadcast 24-7 exactly what they were told to broadcast. Um, if you were not in by the curfew time, you would be arrested and taken to jail. And you would be held until a judge had time to listen to your case. There were people that were in jail for a week before they ever talked to an attorney, before they ever talked to a judge, etc. If you look at the January 6th, riot or whatever you want to call it in D.C., there are hundreds of those people that have never had contact with an attorney yet. Mm. Nobody has spoken to them. So if you think this is going to be like you see on Perry Mason, those shows uh, here, you know, go ahead and make your call. All of this. No, uh, basically, your civil rights are suspended. The courts are suspended and the military or police organizations in control will make the decision. Uh, you may not have a civilian government. It may be police or military. So just understand, you can argue about your civil rights and everything else. But as they did in um, New Orleans, they took away everybody's guns. You were not allowed to have a gun. Now, there are laws against doing that. But, you know, if you don't have a court, how are you going to go ahead and enforce that? Yeah, I mean that that's the whole idea behind martial law is 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 laws don't matter, right? And exactly. so uh, they absolutely did gun confiscation uh, drills. Uh during Boston the Boston uh bombing situation, they were people were confined to their houses uh and um so yeah, I mean this is going to be one of those scenarios if it were to ever happen where you have to hunker down like we've talked about in previous discussions where you know, that's why it's so important to be to make sure you if you had if you could not leave your house for six months, could you survive? Because in a situation like this, you don't want to get into a fight with the U.S. military. You know, they'll just send a drone uh, and it'll it'll be all over before the fight. And so, um, you know, you talk about bringing a knife to a gunfight. Uh, don't don't bring a 30 odd six to a, you know, nuclear missile fight. You know, that's kind of what we're talking about. So, yeah, you got to be you got to be smart and think wisely and, and smart, right? Exactly. And, and I've told this before, but I'm going to say it again, because it is one of the things through my life that really made an impression. When I was down in New Orleans, I was looking around for a property where I was going to inspect and take a look at it. And I found this camp, looked like a prison camp to me, uh, probably an internment camp is what we would call it now. Electricity wasn't on, there were no people there. And so being nosy, like I am, I got out and I walked up to it and started looking. It wasn't five minutes later when a troop carrier full of fully combat armed soldiers arrived and very kindly asked what I was doing. Well, fortunately, I had an address I was looking for. 
They basically told me where that was at. They gave me a nice little 12 pack of water in aluminum cans and said, you'll be on your way now. And I looked at them. I looked at me. And, you know, the only answer I could think of was, yes, sir. <laughs> there was no arguing with these guys. They waited until I left. And they were writing down my license plate as I left. Mm. Now, you can say, oh, martial law, no big deal. You know, we're going to stand up to them. I'm going to tell you right now, when fully armed soldiers or police officers come to your door in force, you're going to find that testosterone you thought you had is no longer available. You're yeah. going to say, yes, sir. What can I do for you today? No doubt. That, that, that's exactly right. So, you know, one thing I want to point out here, especially because I know we've got a, a lot of conspiracy enthusiasts in the audience, uh, myself included, uh, you know, we're not suggesting that martial law can only come about because some top tier Luciferian sitting in a dark office somewhere picks up the hotline and radios down to local officials in, in say, Colorado and says, okay, it's go time. No, I mean, martial law could arise out of very organic circumstances uh, where the people that do knock on your door with the military garb and the guns, you know, they may not be part of some terrible, you know, dastardly Luciferian plan. They're just doing their job. There are natural disasters, a lot of the things that we've talked about where in order to keep the peace, we could have to put troops on the street. And uh, so, you know, in any case, uh, it's most, you know, it's most likely to me that this is exactly what will unfold with, uh, you know, with some type of civil uh, uh, problem, civil uh, unrest, you know, civil war, even if you want to go to the extreme. Um, but let, let's be clear, we're, we're simply trying to talk about the pragmatics of the matter, not get into the philosophical argument about whether martial law is is proper or constitutional or whatever. There are uh, cases where, you know, kind of like if there's an accident and the police officer you know, blocks off the road while the EMTs are dealing with the people injured in the accident and and tells you, you can't go here. You need to turn, you know, he's directing traffic away. You're not going to get out of your car and bow up to that police officer and say, this is America. I have a right. It's a free country. I can go wherever I want. So, I mean, I think, you know, the, the answer here is, you know, to be wise uh, if it's a prolonged situation, which is what's likely to happen if it is some type of a nefarious reason behind the martial law, uh, well, then, you know, you're going to have to hunker down. Well, and martial law is not necessarily a bad thing all the time. Mm -hmm. In New Orleans, I will tell you what, with the gangs and the thugs roaming town, shooting everything up, you know, I've, I have no problem with somebody trying to instill order. I look at Lahaina, Hawaii. All right. They would probably institute martial law there if they had the manpower. They simply do not. And the way as, as tense as everybody's getting over there, there is going to be riots, bloodshed, whatever. I promise you before it's all over. So there are times it's very beneficial. What we're going to try to get at today is the times when it's not, when it is against your civil rights, when it is something that shouldn't have taken place. Um, in our podcast on Wednesday, we talked about the new COVID variant. Uh, we've talked about Marburg. We've talked about a bunch of different things supposedly coming to our shores. Now, when you look at the current economical situation in the United States, you look at the political situation, 
you know something's got to give. Biden is on the ropes. Trump has been now charged with four different courts. Uh, the economy is going downhill. It would not surprise me if we skipped the CBDC currency and we went immediately to a universal basic income. Because if you remember the rebates that we received from the government during COVID, I think that was them practicing, getting it ready, seeing how it would work. Now, if they shut you down and say, you're not going anywhere, we're going to take the electricity away so you can't refill your gas, uh, food is going to be limited, we're going to give you so much money a month, you can use it on this, we're going to watch what you use, and you're going to like it. Don't be surprised if that happens, because if they lose control, then the Luciferians lose control of their entire agenda. And that is not going to happen. Yeah, that's a great point. I hadn't connected the the uh, the handouts during COVID with something like like this in the future. But that's one way to calm the masses is just to give them money, you know, and, uh, you know, they could do all kinds of things. They could open up, you know, free video streaming because they know people are going to be locked down in their house. Hey, we know that you're you're locked down, but it's for the good of the country. But so here we're going to make your daily life a little easier. So from now on, Netflix and HBO Max and Hulu and all this is free uh, for an unlimited time. I mean, martial law basically is just a, a short for the end of life as we know it. Everything normal no longer is matters. And so, uh, yeah, that, that's a. Uh, I remember those handouts well. It was it was just, I mean, of course, the government doesn't have any money, but when you print money out of thin air, uh, you can give it away to anybody. <laughs> That's exactly right. And people, I don't think they understand the economy. They watch the stock market. It's up, it's down. Gold and silver's up and it's down. But, all right, we've talked about the student loan debacle, that those are going to be coming due here any week. There, the, what I looked at yesterday, there are 8 million people renting apartments that are going to be evicted this month. Where are you going to put 8 million people? There are 30 million auto loans that are 90 days plus past due. We have millions of home loans that are past due, credit card debts. So what they're going to have to do, this is going to go wild. People are homeless. They're going to be you know, they're going to be just going up and down the street, causing all kinds of problems. So not only do we have a disease that's coming on that would give them a reason to do it, we have the economy, we have everything else. And I truly, truly look at this happening this fall. Now, I've listened to 30 different people talk about this in the last week. Most of them say in the next 30 days. I think that's maybe pushing it a little bit, but I see it happening this fall. We know that FedNow is now pretty much in effect anywhere they want it to be. Um, you know, if all of a sudden you have no job, you're probably going to lose your property. But like they said before, you're not going to own anything and you're not own anything and you're going to like it. Yeah. So, and I would say, better. you know, my my take on it is I don't. I don't look for it to happen this fall. Of course, none of us know. Let's be clear. None of us can say, right. you know, thus saith the Lord about these types of things. We're all just looking at the same data and trying our best to kind of predict and analyze, you know, and, and be prepared as the Bible tells us to. But my best guess, as I've said on other podcasts, is 
2024 is going to be a pivotal year. I mean, we already know that 2025 is a key year in the Luciferian timeline. I have a whole chapter on that in my book, Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2. And in the run-up to that, especially being an election year, the whole uh, the first Trump trial starts in March, around the same time as Super Tuesday, which is you know pretty interesting that they picked it that, for that. Uh, the whole year will be dominated by different you know court appearances. Uh, I mean, uh, he's going to really rack up the frequent flyer miles traveling between four different courtrooms uh, for all these cases. Uh, so I just think 2024 is. <clears throat> is going to be an interesting year. Uh, could it happen? You know, could we see some type of end of the world as we know it, uh, martial law scenario in the fall? Absolutely. Who knows? Um, uh, and there's always the wild card of some of these things could actually happen organically. Remember, not everything is contrived. I mean, sometimes things just happen that are not conspiracies. So <clears throat> lots going on. But, uh, you know, you're right. There are a lot of people out there saying the next 30 days are critical. They could be, uh, you know, your best guess is maybe this fall. It could be. I'm looking more towards next year for some some pretty major events. <clears throat> yeah. The thing is, when we talk dates, we're talking nebulous. We're talking it's coming. We just don't know a specific date. All I'm going to say is if you don't, if you want a generator, you better get it now because they're backward. A lot of them. You better get your food. You better get your money. You better get your metals and you better do that thought adjustment. Get your mind to the point where you understand what might happen and you're going to be able to deal with it. Because let's face it, food, they're going to ration that however you want. Now, hopefully they're not going to come into our homes and take the stockpiles that we already have. Same way with the guns, same way with the um, you know metals, cash, whatever. I don't think right now they would have the manpower to do that. But I wouldn't be advertising on YouTube or somewhere about how much I've got, what I've got, um, because you just become a target. You yeah, know? and there so, there are there are excellent resources available out there for how to hide that stuff, how to hide guns, how to hide gold, silver. How to, so, you know, take the time to look into that, <clears throat> and um, you know that way, if we do get to the point, which is not unprecedented, by the way, we've already talked about gun confiscation. We've had confiscation of of metals in the past in wartime. Uh, you know, you you have a better chance of hanging on to stuff so that if uh, the Lord doesn't come back and and when the dust clears someday, you can kind of come out the other side and still have uh, your uh, you know your stash. Yes, the thing is, um, it's going to be a situation we've never experienced. Um, everybody's going to be in a quandary, going, "What do we do? How are we going to do this?" So start thinking about the scenarios now, how you're going to deal with it, because you're going to get to know your neighbors. And that may be just about it. You can have a bicycle. That's great. You can have horses. But sooner or later, those items are going to be a problem, too. Um, I do fully expect the martial law. I don't know what it will be a result of, but I would say it's definitely coming just a matter of time. Well, tell us, uh, talk to us in the time we have left here about uh, about generators, because um, that's one of the the uh, the biggest, I think, steps of preparedness that people can take. And by the way, the number one step, if I can just throw this in here, um, if you don't know the Lord, that you've got to you've got to get your spiritual house in order because um, yes. that's what matters most. Uh, you know, you'd hate to 
save your physical life, but lose your eternal soul uh, because you never focused on the Lord and your sin problem and the reality of sin and that you need a Savior and that only Jesus can save you because he paid your penalty on the cross and rose again. So if you're listening to this program, and I know our preparedness podcasts uh, go out to a lot of people from a lot of backgrounds, maybe you're not particularly religious or Christian in your worldview, um, it doesn't matter. Religion doesn't save you. Only Jesus can save you. And if you've never trusted in him and him alone for salvation, stop what you're doing right now and uh, you know, place your faith in uh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died and rose again for your sins. But uh, generators, Randy, all kinds of different ones. There's portable generators. There's different energy sources for the, for the gener- generators. Uh, give us a quick uh, primer on generators. All right. I didn't know what I was getting into. So anyway, we're going to go through this, and hopefully you'll get some decent information out of it. The whole home generators, whole house generator, whatever you want to call them, they are pricey, but they basically will feed power back into your house. And I think you could probably run pretty much everything in your home as long as you get one that has enough wattage. Um, They run off gasoline, natural gas, LP gas. I don't know if you can still get them that use diesel, uh, but they're they're excellent, but they are prohibitively expensive. Uh, you're going to have to have an electrician hook it up. You're going to have to make sure that it's hooked up correctly so that it doesn't feed back down the lines and electrocute somebody. Um, I don't know many different brands. I know there's Generac, General. There, there's only a few that I've ever heard of, but... I've never heard anybody complain about them. Have you? No. And and through the years, we've had uh, three different homes where we invested in uh, Generac whole house generators with the automatic transfer switches. So it's really just a seamless solution. If the power goes out within seconds, your house power comes right back on. And then when the municipal power comes back on, the generator shuts down. And so uh, you're right, they are expensive and they've gotten a lot more expensive. Um, So, you know, if you have the financial means or you can prioritize it, to me, I think it it makes a lot of sense to to do it because it will buy you time. Uh, It's not a panacea. Obviously, you depend upon the supply chain for either natural gas or propane, both of which could eventually break down in the midst of a real, you know, serious prolonged crisis. But at least for the first few months, if you ration your power, um, you know, you'll be able to kind of, you know, make plans and 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 be, you know, out of harm's way. Um, if you're running on natural gas, which a lot of these generators do, just be aware that in a, a real se- severe situation that is nefarious in nature, the powers that be could cut off the flow of natural gas and then you know, then you're in trouble. So I I recommend even if you have natural gas, uh, get an 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 extra propane tank, a uh, big one, a thousand gallons if you've got a place for it, and run it off of of that because then you can keep that thing full. Uh, uh, which full for those tanks is typically 80 to 85% because you have to have room for it to expand and contract. But uh, you know that'll get you a long ways. Obviously, a lot of people especially in places like Florida and Texas that are prone to hurricanes, they have them just for convenience because they lose power for a few days. They want to be able to you know, run their air conditioner. But we're talking about whole house generators in the context of preparedness. So if 
you did lose power in a crisis, you wouldn't be running your air conditioner, even your heater and things like that the way you normally would. You would begin to ration it because you don't know when the situation is going to improve and allow you to get your propane guy out there to fill your tank. So you want that propane you have in the tank to last as long as it possibly can. Uh, in our case, where we live out kind of in the country, you know, we need it to run the well. So that's one of the reasons that it made sense uh, to have it. Um, and we've just been, since we've been awake to the world as it really exists for almost 20 years now, early on, we just made the decision that it's at the top of our preparedness list. So yes, it's expensive, um, but you know, it, it really covers a multitude of, of, of scenarios, uh, you know, for a prolonged period of time, if you can find a way to make it, you know, to, to afford it. Yes. And the problem with generators, <clears throat> the non-solar is they make a lot of noise. So your neighbors, everybody else are going to know you have one and they're probably going to be over uh, wanting a little bit of help, borrow yours, steal it, whatever they're going to do. Now, portable generators, I didn't know how many different ones there were available, but there are hundreds of different manufacturers. They're going to be either gasoline, natural gas, LP, um, diesel. I think you can still get a couple of those or solar. Now, gasoline, of course, natural gas, whatever it's going to be. When your supply runs out, you're done. If you can get a dual fuel mixture, then it's going to be something you can run longer. And it's going to be, you know, more um, useful than if you stick to one fuel type. Now, I want to caution you. These are expensive, but they're, you know, they're not that expensive, but they're heavy. I have a... Um, gasoline generator. That thing weighs 186 pounds. You don't have it on a cart or something like that where you set it, it's going to stay. Now, the thing is, I like the gasoline, LP, whatever. I like these type of generators in that they are animals. They will give you a greater output and peak output wattage than any solar unit manufacturer. Um, you can get them up to 8,000 watts. You can get 10,000 watts. Uh, it just depends on what you want, what you think you need. You need to be extremely careful what brand you buy because everybody's got the best product out there until you try them. So what I would suggest is if you're going to get one, get it now because with the hurricane starting to form out in the Atlantic, the uh, the South is going to take them all again, probably like they usually do. Now, if you're lucky enough in an emergency that FEMA drops one off to you, understand that is FEMA property. They will be back to pick it up. When I was at Katrina, there were a bunch of people that had those. And then FEMA stopped back a month or two later and wanted them. And they said, well, we sold them. Well, FEMA, being the gentle giant they are, said, well, here's what it costs. We'll take a check now. <laughs> These are not something you're going to keep. So get your own, be happy with it, and uh, learn how to use it. Now, try it out. Try it out before you need to use it, because when it's zero, is not the time to get one of these things operating. I can tell you that. I got mine operating the other day. Um, gasoline, so I use Stable, S-T-A-B-I-L, in the fuel mixture, so that if it sits a year or two, it's still okay. If you use fuel without that in it or some other additive, uh, you might find out 
the year down the road, it doesn't start. Another important thing on a gasoline generator, do not use gasohol and ethanol. Uh, you'll see a lot of the pumps say 10%, 20% ethanol. Do not use that because the longer it sits, the more gummy it's going to get and it will not start. Um, I like gasoline generators. You can hear them. There are a lot of noise, but you can hear when they quit. And then you could go out, refill them, um, keep extra fuel on hand. Uh, be intelligent, though. Don't store 100 gall gallons of gasoline in your garage or in your uh, metal building outside, because someday when it blows your wall in and kills you and your family, you'll understand that was a really bad idea. <laughs> now, I mentioned regular output and peak output. You will see on the generator, it will tell you what the output is. And basically, uh, let's say mine, 6,500 watts. So you take the wattage of the appliances or whatever gizmo you're going to use, you add it up, and that's what it will run. Now, if you're starting something that has its own motor, um, refrigerators or freezers, anything that are going to require a peak wattage, um, furnaces, AC units, look what the peak wattage is. If the peak wattage is not high enough for what you're running, it will kick off and it will trip a circuit breaker. Then you're going to have to go back. You're going to have to reset it, but you can't keep doing the same thing because it will keep tripping. So remember, figure out your wattage, see if something has peak wattage, add it up, make sure your generator is rated for that kind of output. Also make sure you understand when you have to change the oil, what kind of fuel it uses, where the circuit breakers are, and how you're going to move it if you have to. I mean, that's very important. Now, solar. Yeah, I don't know if I'm impressed with solar or not. Um, I bought one because what I see coming down the road, I'm going to want it to be quiet. Um, nice thing about a fuel generator we talked about, you can run a 220, 240 appliance off of that if it has the outlet. There is no solar unit I can find that will support a 240-440 action. They're all going to be 110, 120. So if you get the wrong one, you go to hook up your dryer, it's going to sit there, plugs aren't going to match, and you're going to go, well, what's the problem? Problem is, you didn't pay attention to what you were buying. Solar is expensive. I want to tell you right now, it will cost you three times what a gasoline unit will, at least. With a solar unit, what you have to make sure of is you need to know what the wattage is, what the peak wattage is. You have to make absolutely sure you know what that is. Um, you can get some pretty good size ones, but you're going to spend somewhere between seven and 10 grand. All right. When you use a uh, solar generator, you're going to need three items. You're going to need the power unit itself. You're going to need a backup battery and you're gonna need the solar panels. Now, they all come usually priced separately. So if you get the unit, but you don't have solar panels and you don't have a battery, what you're gonna have is what that thing can basically store, and that's it. Now, you can charge them through your vehicle, through an outlet at your house, through another generator, whatever. That's easy. But what's gonna happen is when you start to use it, are you gonna have enough battery power to take care of everything. 
Now, what I found, I'm looking at several different ones, and I'm just going to give one brand because it was really highly rated. It's called Anchor. Uh, it's been in business for a while. The nice thing about it is you can put multiple solar panels on it, and you can put multiple batteries on it. Now, the nice thing is uh, those all work, and as long as you stay with the brand, they work together, and they'll work first time every time. I went into some of the local uh, merchants in town, questioning them on different brands. They said, well, here's a brand that everybody buys, but 50% of them come back because they will not work with their solar panel. And I'm going, seriously? They said, yeah, 50% of them come back. The company knows about it. It hasn't done anything. Another one said, we've only had one of these come back because of the solar panel. Now, supposedly you can mix and match solar panels and price would be a good reason why you might want to do that, but test it out because if it's from the same manufacturer, it's going to probably work. Different manufacturer, not a chance. Another let, let, let me weigh in on the solar here because we've got some experience with that too. First of all, to clarify, if you have a uh, full solar, you know, whole house solar system, it will run, uh, you know, even the more, uh, the heavier uh, wattage. Um, so, yes. but those are extremely expensive. We, we've looked into that in the past and it, it's a huge construction project. I mean, you could be talking 50, $60,000 or more. Um, I think 80 actually at one point. So, uh, but the, the portable generators uh, that you're talking about, yeah, you're right. Those are not going to be for, you know, the bigger things, but they're nice to have for powering up a cell phone or, or a computer, or, you know, you can even run a refrigerator or a freezer off of them. Um, but I, the one that we uh, worked with and we've actually been out to their plant uh, and, and, you know, talk to the owners there um, it's been a while, but uh, it's, if you go to mysolarbackup.com mysolarbackup.com. And this isn't necessarily an endorsement other than our own personal experience. I don't have any connection formally with them, but we bought several of the power source 1800s back in the day. We've since sold most of them, but they're so handy. It's one panel. Uh, the, uh, the, the generator itself is on wheels. You can pull it around like a suitcase uh, in the airport. Uh, I mean, not that you take it to the airport, but just to give you that mental picture. And, uh, you know, the idea is you keep them plugged into your normal power outlet. That's what keeps the generator charged. If you have a power outage, you pull out the the uh, solar panel. It uh, typically has, or at least the ones we had, had a 50-foot cable. So you can find a spot outside where it's south-facing, run that cable back all the way into the generator in your house and plug it in. And then you've got power for lamps or whatever. Um they make different sizes. The smaller ones are the power, what's called the Power Source 1800. Uh, and then they make larger ones that could run like a refrigerator or freezer or things like that. But it does cost a lot of money. The batteries don't last forever. Um, a lot of people that camp, that go camping, will invest in one like this uh, because it's kind of handy when you're out in the woods to have a way to recharge your cell phone or to have a little power for a radio if you need to, to call for help. Uh, so solar is... You know, the, the reason that we shied away from that as a whole house solution is A, the cost, and B, uh, they are highly technical. And in a real end-of-the-world scenario where you're on your own, unless you really know a lot about electronics and all those kinds of things, 
if there was a malfunction or a problem, you're going to, you're going to be in trouble. You're not going to be able to call, you know, the, the solar repair guy, uh, a more typical whole house generator, like the Generax, uh, the, you know, those are pretty basic engines, like a, a lawnmower engine type thing. And, you know, you can, you know, as long as you change the oil and the air filter and things like that, you can keep those running pretty well. So that's just my two cents worth about solar generators. Yeah, and the thing is, they're they're not new, but there are some things that I noticed when I was doing the research. All right, if you get a solar generator, you can also get a solar inverter. A lot of people buy the inverters; they're smaller. They'll use it for their electronics, and that's all they want to worry about. And those are great, very portable. But if you get an an inverter, you have to make sure of two things. First off, is it a pure sine wave or a pulse wave modulation? If you get a pure sine wave that was designed for all of the uh, electronics and basically it will shut down by itself when they're charged. If you get the pulse wave, you're gonna have to be there to shut it off. Now, the one difference I really noticed on all of the portable generators, they now have two batteries. They have a lithium ion, which is somewhat short-lived. You can recharge it uh, basically 500 to 1,000 times. Use it, recharge it, you're okay. They also have a lithium iron phosphate battery. It's heavier. It's more expensive. But the, um, the amount of times you can recharge them is pretty much infinite. Uh, the one that I got, says it will do at least 10,000 recharges, which is 10 times what the lithium ion is. Remember something with lithium batteries, you must keep them cool. If they get hot or you put them under too much stress, it will burn your house down. There have been a lot of aircraft that have had lithium batteries in the aircraft hold and fire started and people died. So remember, pure sine wave or pulse wave modulator, if you're gonna get an inverter, and also what type of a battery. Otherwise, the solar is fairly straightforward. They're, they're a little more complicated than a gasoline generator, definitely, but if you look at the owner's manual, you can figure it out. Um, there is a YouTuber by the name of City Prepper or City Prepping, one of the two, just did a big um, deep dive on solar generators. He took a bunch of them, and basically he took them out and tested them. Now, remember, the manufacturers sent these units to him. They're going to test them beforehand, make sure they're working. I can promise you that. So if you get one, test it, because they've all got a return policy. Know what you're dealing with. Understand that the big advantage for a solar, it's more portable, and it's quiet. You can set it in your house, run a cord to it. You can set it outside and nobody's going to know you got it. Whereas you turn on the lawnmower, as far as the gasoline powered knows, everybody for three blocks is going to know, well, he's got a generator because they're going to hear it. When you buy your um, power cords, don't get a light duty for crying out loud. Get a heavy duty to medium duty because they're the only ones that will support the actual voltage wattage and that will stay cool. Now, a lot of people like to hook up the generator, run the cord, and then put a power surge unit on the end of it. 
understand when it hits the power surge unit, it's going to heat it up to the point where it can start a fire. There are a bunch of these in Colorado alone last year. Everything got to the surge protector. All of a sudden, it and the wiring got so hard, hot, it ignited a fire. So there are things to remember with generators. Um, they're safe. They're effective. Uh, they can be a lifesaver. But understand, if you don't handle them right, they can cause you more of a problem than you ever imagined. Awesome. Well, Randy, that's so helpful as always. And um, we just appreciate your you know input and, and research on some of these things. Um, but we will uh, we will you know have to you know have you back on again as needed, kind of case by case when there's events that that come on that that relate to preparedness, and we can get your your take on it. But we've pretty well covered the gamut. We talked about how to prepare for an EMP or an economic crash, how to prepare for natural disasters, um, you know, different uh, scenarios, and so uh, this one's uh, pretty helpful. The whole idea of martial law, and then the, the kind of the addendum here about uh, generators. So, any closing thoughts? Let's hope we don't have to use them. Amen. The I second that motion. And I'm, I hear everybody in the audience saying, I. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks again, uh, Randy. Looking forward to a great weekend this weekend. If you're in the Denver metro area, come out and see us tomorrow at Plum Creek Chapel. We have services at 830 and 10. Uh, we are growing. We have uh, already uh, reached our capacity at the second service, even after going to two services less than a year ago. The Lord continues to bless. But uh, but that's okay. We live stream as well. If you're not in the Denver metro area, check us out at notbyworks.org, and uh, you can live stream directly from uh, there. We only live stream the second uh, service, the message from the second service. So, uh, But anyway, have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, continue to trust the Lord through it all. Um, uh, remember that uh, none of this surprises him. He's in full control, but the stage is very much being set uh, for the next phase of God's plan of the ages. So hang in there. God bless. Reach out to us at notbyworks.org if we can ever help. Have a great weekend.